All right, as we continue on in our Advent season, as we get closer to Christmas, uh, this morning we're focusing on this idea of God's love for us. And I don't know what you guys think about as we were singing these Christmas songs. How many of you love Christmas songs? Raise your hand. Yeah, most of us, I think, right? As I was singing that song and I was as looking at the words and I was looking at the picture in the background, I just got this kind of like transported in time, right, about 2,000 years ago. And I thought about the anticipation of the Israelites and what they must have been feeling and hoping for and excited about. And of course, they were looking right for a king, for a, a warrior. And little did they know, of course, we know now, but God was coming as a God of love, right? God was coming to set them free from their sins. Um, and so we are celebrating God's love uh, this morning. I just wanted to read First uh, John Uh, Chapter four, starting at verse nine, it says this. It says in this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I love Philippians chapter two talks about how Jesus Christ left the throne room of heaven, right? Basically, he emptied himself, took on the form of man. Um, why? Because he loves us, because he loved you. And uh, and then we get this charge at the very end and verse 11 says, but we also ought to love one another. And of course, we know that we can only love because why? Because God loved us. Right. And now we get this incredible charge to go out into the world and to demonstrate that love and to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate God's love as we approach Christmas, as we anticipate Christmas Day. And uh, we're just so thankful for what God has done uh, in our lives. Well, this morning we have a, a, a great privilege uh, to have a guest speaker here, Steve Borgia. I'm going to ask him to come on up. Uh, Steve is a, a good friend of Mike McIntyre, who was here uh, a couple months ago, and uh, so he kind of pointed me to Steve. And uh, But Steve has uh, been a part of the Union Rescue Mission for about 14 years, he was sharing with me uh, earlier, the, the kind of the director of the chaplains uh, uh, at the Union Rescue Mission, and recently just uh, job changed. Now he's uh, with the L.A. County Jail System right, right. as a senior chaplain there, and so he loves the Lord, he loves people. And uh, so I'm just excited to have him this morning. Let me just uh, open a word of prayer this morning. God, thanks so much uh, for Steve. God, thanks for his uh, dedication to you, giving his life to you at some point in his life when he decided to trust you as his Lord and Savior and then to live for you. So, God, we are blessed this morning to have him join us, uh, to have him deliver your word to us. And so, God, I just pray that your word would pierce our hearts, God, that you would allow your spirit to speak through Steve, that you would uh, give him the confidence to, to proclaim your message this morning. So, God, we love you. We are grateful for Jesus. We are grateful for the cross and what that represents. And so, God, we just want to honor you this morning. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Well, good morning. So, great introduction, um, and I appreciate being here. I appreciate Mike for uh, giving me the privilege to at least come here. He said that uh, you folks might give me a call, and I was really glad to hear from you. And I I just wanted to give you um, a little background on who I am and what I do. I did work for the Union Rescue Mission as... uh, was stated for about 14 years 
and started there after working for L.A. County as a social worker for about three years. But I've been in doing ministry and private practice and pastoral counseling for about 30 years. So I have all kinds of background in ministry. I've been married for now 42 years. Just recently, I had an anniversary on the 13th of this month. So been married that long and uh, have many Christmas memories now to go with. And so the title of today's sermon is really about a first Christmas memory. And we're going to be looking at a familiar part of Scripture, not in Luke, but in Matthew, where we look at Joseph's perspective of some things. But before I get into the sermon itself, I wanted to give a little illustration that will kind of give us um, a, a step into some of what Joseph may have been experiencing and how God was at work in the heart of a righteous man to do some pretty tough things. So... Uh, The the illustration that I'm going to start off with uh, goes all the way back to about 1993. There was a couple, uh, their name was uh, Kim and Cricket Carpenter. They uh, actually got married in September of 1993, but as Kim, the husband, began to date Cricket, he met her uh, at a sports supply store. He was ordering uniforms for his team, I think it was a baseball team, and he kept going back and forth, and he kind of fell in love with this gal at the order desk. And he started dating Cricket. He made some plans to, to meet with her. And he would just happen to be showing up at the office every couple of weeks. And pretty soon he asked her out. And they dated for a good while and then got married in September of 1993. They were enjoying life together. Life was going really well. They had just been married 10 weeks. And they were on their way to visit Cricket's family, and they were living in New Mexico, and they were on Interstate 40, and they were headed to to them to see them late at night. There was another uh, person in the car with them riding in the passenger seat. Kim was not feeling well. He had a bad cold. He was in the back seat, and they were driving on Interstate 40, and lo and behold, there was a massive car accident. Kim was driving uh, and coming around a curve. And there was a flatbed truck with the taillights not working well, and it was late at night. And so she hit the brakes and swerved, and the car went sideways. And then right behind them was a pickup truck that didn't see what was happening and broadsided them. The car overturned several times. Kim sustained some pretty severe injuries, even in the back seat. The person in the passenger seat uh, was injured, but Kim was trapped in the car upside down with a fractured skull. She was not ex- expected to survive. Kim was in the hospital for three weeks in a coma. And when she awoke, believe it or not, the last 18 months of her life, she could not remember. Which means what? That she could not be remember getting married to Kim. And even when she um, woke up from the coma, the nurse asked her and said, Kim, are you, you know, are you married? And she said, no, I'm not married. I'm not married. I don't don't remember being married. And even after watching the videos of her wedding, she could see that this man, Kim, was her husband. But she had no memory of who he was and of even being married other than the videos. Kim, on the other hand, was in turmoil. His marriage that he expected to go well, his marriage that he thought was going to be 
forever and a lifetime, he began to contemplate, can I stay with her? Can I really sustain this? Can I do what I need to do to make this happen? And Kim began to pray. And Kim said, I asked God to help me understand some things. And he revealed to me that it said, till death do us part. And so Kim made a commitment to stay with this as long as he could. And so what he did is he initiated a dating process again. And he started to date Kim. And it was a very difficult process because of the head injury that Kim had sustained, she was having mood swings and would laugh at the wrong times when she was supposed to cry. And she would cry at the wrong times when she was supposed to laugh. That's what the head injury did. And it took a long time for her to learn how to eat, how to speak, how to walk. And Kim endured this process. Two and a half years after the accident, Kim had the opportunity to ask Cricket to marry him again. And she said yes. And they renewed their vows. They now have two kids. They're living happily ever after. So why this illustration? What's going on? Well, Joseph, if we think about it, in Matthew chapter 1, experienced something something very similar. And what I want to do is read to you um, go, go to, to please turn to Matthew, and it's also going to be on your screen, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it begins this way, and it says, Joseph, or now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When Mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, we all know the familiar story of the angel visiting Mary and Mary accepting the role of being the mother of uh, the Messiah, to be the mother of Jesus. And she had experienced all of that. And we knew also in the story that she also went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Now, imagine Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Now, the betrothal means what? It means that it's a promise to be married and betrothal in Jewish history or in Jewish culture was far more than just engagement here. It was a commitment to be married and it had far deeper meaning. So they were literally husband and wife, except for consummating the marriage and for Mary to be living in Joseph's house. Once the marriage ceremony took place, Mary would then go to live in Joseph's house and become his wife and they would consummate the marriage. Now, All of this took place and Joseph is betrothed to Mary and Mary finds out that she's pregnant. And all of a sudden she leaves the scene and she goes to visit Elizabeth for about three months. She needed to be maybe encouraged by Elizabeth, who also has a very special child, John the Baptist, living inside her. But can you imagine Mary says, Joseph, I got to go. I got to go visit my cousin Elizabeth. Or maybe she didn't even tell him that she just disappeared. And Joseph is wondering, where is Mary? And Mary may be communicating with him and saying, you know, I got to talk to Elizabeth. Some important things are going on. I've got to talk to her. And there's all of this specialness going on. And that specialness also included a great anticipation by the people around them. Because why? Because there was sort of this miraculous I'll say um, pregnancy by Elizabeth, by a very prominent priest, or at least a priest at that time by the name of Zechariah. So there was already some buzz going on and some things happening. And maybe Joseph was just thinking Mary needs to go deal with or go talk to uh, go talk to her cousin. So Joseph is in the midst of this 
And he is saying, okay, so she's gone. She comes back. And three months later, she comes back and she looks different. His life has changed. He's, she comes to him and she says, Joseph, I need to tell you something. Think about how you would feel if you heard some news that you never expected to hear. Joseph, I need to tell you that I'm pregnant. And it's not like you think. I was not with another man. This angel came and told me that I'm going to bear the Christ child. Do you believe me, Joseph? Do you understand? I don't know about you, but if I was Joseph, I would be very skeptical. I would be wondering, what is this story? Is this true? What's going on? How could this be? Mary, you're pregnant. You have broken the betrothal. By the way, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember, but um, there are certain terms in some marriage vows that says um, I plight my troth or I pledge my troth. It's a pledge of trust that you are going to be faithful in that marriage. And that's what betrothal is. It's a saying, I'm going to be faithful to you. And all of a sudden, Mary comes and he tells she tells Joseph, I'm pregnant. And you need to understand why. Joseph is wrapping his head around this and he's having this existential moment of saying, my experience is telling me that Mary is lying to me. My experience is telling me that I cannot marry this woman. My experience is telling to me that I've got to think about what to do. So she's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And it says that her husband, Joseph, being a just man. And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Betrothal at that time meant that he literally had to file a certificate of divorce. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they still had on the books that you could be stoned for adultery. Joseph didn't want to go that route. And he didn't have very many alternatives. But he was resolved that he needed to end the betrothal. He had made that resolution in his mind because he was a just man and he was a follower of the law and he wanted to be honoring his God. He could not marry somebody who was not faithful to him, even though she was the love of his life. He's saying, I cannot dishonor my God in order to marry this woman. And he was struggling and he was not at peace and the hope that he had to have a marriage with her was dashed and his peacefulness was gone and so he's internally struggling what is going on what can I do I need to find a way to divorce her I need to find a way to get around so he didn't want to have her stoned he didn't want to have her publicly humiliated the only option left to him was to divorce her quietly with a certificate of divorce and to not humiliate her His last option, if he wanted to use it, would be to marry her, but then that would be a marriage of disgrace. He would either be admitting that he impregnated her, or he would be admitting that someone else did, and he would have to deal with that for the entire time that they would be married. But he resolved to divorce her quietly. And I can imagine that the conversation that was going on between Mary and Joseph, Mary, you know, they're, they're talking about this. And Mary is saying, I, Joseph, I just need you to believe me. I would never do this to you. 
And Joseph is saying, Mary, I want to believe what you're saying, but it's just too good to be true. It's too incredible. I can't even think that this is even a possibility. And so as he's contemplating this, it says in in verse 20, it says, but as he considered these things, and this means that Joseph, not only being righteous and finding the right thing to do, he was a man of great consideration. He was thinking about what do I need to do? How do I deal with this? How do I work through all of the issues? This term considered here is not just, oh, I'm thinking about it. It's a man who is really struggling with and deeply dealing with all of the issues that are going on inside himself and what it means to proceed with the divorce. And it says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, Mary had a direct uh, visit from an angel. Joseph now is getting a visit in a dream. Um, This angel did not announce his name as they did with Mary. But now, all of a sudden, he's in this dream and he's hearing from the angel. And the angel is very specific. And he says, he says to him, what? He says, Joseph, son of David. That's like calling um, somebody calling you by your full name. Joseph, I need you to hear this. Joseph, I want to remind you who you are. Joseph, I want to remind you of your heritage. Joseph, I want you to listen to me. Now, my mom, when she would be telling me some things, she would never, never use my full name, you know, my first and middle name. But I knew, I knew she was serious when she had this tone of voice and she would say, Stephen, and I had to listen. Because if I didn't listen, I would be in big trouble. Sometimes I didn't listen and I endured the big trouble because I thought it was worth it. But that's a whole different story about my how I deal with things. Um, So says Joseph, son of David, do not fear. What would Joseph be afraid of? What would Joseph be afraid of? Do not fear. His fear would come from what does it mean for me? To be betrayed by the person I love. How do I look at this and how do I handle all of this? And so he said, Joseph, do not fear. Don't fear the uncertainty. Don't fear the betrayal. Don't fear this because it's not uncertain and it's not a betrayal. There is hope in this. There is peace in this. And there is joy to come. And you'll see it. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, and it says, And she will bear you a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is hearing all this, and now he also knows Mary is pregnant. He's going to have a son. She's going to have a son. Don't fear to take her as your wife. And Joseph, I want to assure you, she did not betray you. It was not a betrayal. I want to assure you that this that is conceived of her is miraculous. It's of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, you can be at peace. There is no betrayal. Joseph, you can understand that she's telling you the truth. Joseph, have confidence and do not fear to move forward. To take Mary as your wife, 
for that which is conceived of her is the Holy Spirit. And she will bear you a son and call his name Jesus. And it says, for he will save his people from their sins. We all know, and we've already even mentioned that this morning, that Israel was expecting what? They were expecting a savior that was going to come and release them from the Roman oppression. They were expecting a savior that would fight for them as a warrior. They were expecting a savior who would what? Make their country great again, that they would no longer have to live under oppression. But this says this savior is going to come and it's going to save you from where? From your sins, from our sin. And Joseph heard what this was all about. God said, I have a bigger plan than just the nation of Israel. This baby, this child is going to save people. From their sins. Now, I was trying to think what it would be like to have an angel visit me in a dream. I don't know um, what that would be like. All I do know is that when I look at how angelic beings, when they appear in front of people, we all think that that might be a great thing to have happen. I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. I think that if an angel appeared in front of me, I would probably be very fearful and very afraid and probably want to run away. If you think about it, angels, when they appeared to other people, they made them very afraid and they also wanted to run away. But when an angel appears, angels usually bring their messengers. They usually bring an assignment you don't want to do. I can think of a couple of them. Uh, One in particular comes to mind would be Gideon. When the angel appeared to him, he said, you're going to be a mighty warrior and you're going to do some things. And Gideon didn't want to do that. When the angel appeared to Moses, what did Moses want to do? Moses wanted to do what? He wanted to run away. He said, no, this can't be. An angel is appearing to appear to Mary and gave Mary an assignment and now has appeared to Joseph and gives Joseph an assignment. Joseph, there will be hope. There will be peace. There will be joy and there will be love that results from what you're going to do. But Joseph, this assignment we're going to do, I'm going to give you probably won't be easy. And it says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, Joseph was likely going through a huge roller coaster of emotion at this point. He was betrothed. He felt betrayed. Now that that's gone, I don't know that he's going to feel a a great deal of comfort. Because even when he felt betrayed, he knew that his life had changed at that point. Something was not going to be as he expected or wanted. The Christmas memory that was being built here was something completely different than what he needed, wanted, or expected. And yet the angel comes and visits him and brings him a certain sense of comfort. But understand what he is now doing. Understand the assignment that Joseph must now accept as a righteous man. The angel is now saying, you can marry, marry. You can get married and you don't have to worry about the fact that she is pregnant because what? You're not betrayed. You need to know that she didn't find love in another person. 
She still finds love in you. This is something of God. But Joseph had to think about some things. My life is not going to be what I expect. If you take Mary as your wife, which he was commanded to do and now could do and could feel confident about, to bring this pregnant woman into your house and adopt her then unborn child as your son, Joseph would be suffering the stigma that he didn't expect to suffer. You see, when, when those kinds of things happened back in that, that culture, people would be pointing fingers and say, oh, that child, that child, or your child, or that person. And if you go back into scripture, you can see that they also accused, what, Joseph and Mary all the way through of being, what, that was an, an adulterous affair, or that was an affair that was a child that was born out of wedlock. Joseph was accepting some responsibility that he never accepted or expected to have to take. God was saying, Joseph, you need to trust me. God was saying, you need to see that I am still with you. You need to see that I am going to be there. Now, I could spend a lot of time on the names of the name here, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. But I think that that's important for us just to concentrate on for just a small moment, just for a little bit. Emmanuel means God with us. It says, Joseph, God is going to be with you in this circumstance. This child that you are that Mary is going to bear, that you are going to adopt is literally God who will be with us. And a demonstration of God's continued commitment and relationship to us in spite of the circumstances that we face. Joseph's life was being turned upside down. Joseph was in the midst of all of this, looking to see what he could do and being turned upside down. And God was still going to be with him. Joseph was learning to walk literally with his God who was going to be with him. And so Joseph, when he awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took him took Mary as his wife. This literally means that she, at that point, he probably invited her into his house. He took her as his wife, not just the betrothed, but took her as his wife and invited her into his house. And then it said he didn't have any relations with her until Jesus was born. That was just to preserve the dignity of what was going on and preserve any question that anybody might have about who the father of the child would be or the father of this child. He was also protecting Mary in the process. And it said, and he called his name Jesus. We all know that the name Jesus means um, Jehovah saves or God is with us, a very common name that was given back then. And that's why he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. So you could identify which Jesus it was. Um, Jesus of Nazareth. This is who it was. Um, I remember somebody telling me a joke or a story about um, who Jesus was. And he said, um, was telling somebody, Jesus is going to get you. Uh, Jesus will be, you know, if you you don't be careful, you know, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. And um, this actually is the, the way the story goes. A burglar entered the house and a parrot that was there had learned to to talk and it said, uh, Jesus is watching. 
and Jesus is going to get you. And the parrot was saying this and the burglar was wondering what was going on. And then the owner of the home woke up and said uh, to his dog, his Doberman named Jesus, Jesus sick him. And the, the uh, burglar ran out of the house after being bitten several times. But Jesus, again, the common name, Jesus was saying, or, or Joseph was learning that Jesus of Nazareth was God who saves. The God who saves. Now, we also know that after this, um, an angel visited Joseph again. And said, Joseph, you need to leave very quickly. This was also in a dream because Herod wants to kill the child and Joseph obeyed once again. It is Joseph's obedience here that is so key and so important. Even when he knew that his life would not be what he expected it to be. His life changed and he still had to walk with God. His life was different. And if you think about the words of Advent... The things that we look at um, with Advent, it's, it's hope, peace, joy, and love. Joseph went through some things up and down on those words of Advent. His hope that his marriage would be what he expected it to be was dashed, but then restored. The peace that he expected to have or wanted to have, a peace from God, That was interrupted or nearly destroyed when he thought that Mary had betrayed him. There was no peace. But Joseph, what? He considered what he needed to do. And he thought about, what does it mean? And the peace was restored because there was a God who was saying, Joseph, you can trust me. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy, and you can trust me. And there is joy. You can be confident Not just happy, but you can be confident that my promises will come true and they're going to sustain you through this process. And the love that you want to have, the love that you can feel for me and the love that you can give to Mary, you can model to the world by taking her as your wife. And you can do so without thought of or thought of any regret that you were making a wrong decision. When we think about it, when we think about our Christmas memories or our Christmases or what God wants to plan for us, sometimes things happen that we don't expect or want or desire. But we have a God, whether we have an angel visit us or not, who promises to be with us, who promises in the moment To walk through when we're not at peace. To be there when we feel hopeless. To be there. Just to be there. When we need him. And Joseph counted on that. I'm thankful that he had some angelic visits. I'm thankful that he could could do all of that. But let's understand. That this God who is with us. Walks with us no matter what whether we're experiencing the happiness of Christmas or maybe a Christmas memory that would like to not remember or not have. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Joseph's example. He was a man obedient to you. He walked with you. He listened to you. And he loved you. But more, 
more as well. Not more importantly, but just more as well. He loved Mary and he loved Jesus as his son. I thank you for choosing such a father as Joseph and for such an example that um, you walked with him in his obedience, in his difficulty, in his struggle. We just thank you and praise you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for the gift that you give to us that is indescribable in Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.